Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Honestly, this was one of those weeks where there was so much in this passage that I wrote like four different drafts of how I would approach it and then landed on one this morning. And what I want to talk about is our past, our past, because we all have a story. We all have a past that has left a mark on us and it, and it shapes us today. And it's important for us, what do we do with our past um, about a year and a half ago, I was driving into, into Houston. I was going to a meeting and I was with uh, a, an organization called the Houston Church Planning Network. Fantastic network. And I was driving into this meeting with a man who was going to be teaching us about mission and vision and how to communicate what we're about as a church. And so my mind was, was kind of churning on like, you know, Lord, how do we say what we're about and, and, and what, what's the the ethos of this movement that you're starting here. And on this, you know, commute into town, I'm like the first person that pulls up on a, on a major wreck. I mean, there's five cars, they're, they're all over the highway, it's shut down 59 completely, and um, I'm, I'm kind of, I have that adrenaline pumping moment, if you've, if you've seen an accident like fresh, and I see this car in the middle and there's steam coming off the car and, and I see a man in uh, an army outfit run past my truck towards the middle. And I have that thinking of like, I'm a, I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor. Like, what am I doing sitting in my truck? So I, I run out of my truck thinking like I should do something. And so I go to this, this car in the middle and, and there's a man who's just, he's just shaking, like uncontrollably shaking. The first responder type people are kind of making sure that he's okay and the, the car is not going to blow up or something like that. And, and so finally, when it kind of all dies down, I said, can I pray for him? And they're like, yeah, please, like, please pray for him. And so I, I'll, I'll never forget the feeling of putting my hands on this guy's, uh, he, was, he was just sweating and shaking and just uncontrollably and just praying that God would heal him and that God would reveal himself. And as I'm praying this prayer for this man, the, the crowd of cars that have been backed up on 59 just start getting angry. Like everyone's getting mad because their, their, their commute's been delayed. They've got meetings and, and, and appointments and things they're trying to get to. And so they start honking and trying to cut each other off and, and like, you know, throwing the finger at each other. And all this stuff happens in the middle of my prayer. And it was like this strange mix of like a holy moment and like a terrible moment all colliding. And I, I was shaken up after this scene and I just had this thought as I was leaving the scene, driving towards this meeting, of our God has called us to be about helping people become people again. You see, we believe that we are created 
that at the beginning of all of this, there was a garden and that God breathed a breath of life into a human being and that when sin came into the world, something was lost. Something was lost for each one of us and, and we, we search for that something and it's only when that something is restored that we actually become the person that God originally intended for us to be. And what happens along the way of your life is some things will come into your story in your past that want to hijack the present. It wants to mark you and write its evil signature on you, fill you with shame and guilt and regret. And Jesus has actually come to set us free. That's what he came to. He came to deliver us from this sinful thing that's in us and from the woundedness of our past. He's remaking us. And so this morning, I wanted to start with the question, what does your past say about you? When you think about your story, what are those events that mark your history? And, and how do you interpret that? Is that like something that, that the world has kind of interpreted for you? Or, or have you allowed God to interpret your story to you? What does your past say about you? I want to look at this passage in Philippians chapter 3. This is where we're at in this series. And we're just kind of going verse by verse and reading each verse. And we're just working our way through the whole book. And so we're in 3, uh, the second half of chapter 3, starting in verse 12. And I'm going to read all the way to the end of this chapter. So just follow along with me as I read this. He says, Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Verse 17, join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I've often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. This is the word of the Lord. So the Apostle Paul, he's like dad, right? He plants this church and he writes this letter about a decade after he has planted this church and he's talking about the past. He uses this phrase, forgetting what is behind, right? And he's going to press on, he's going to reach forward to what 
is ahead. And what I love about this is how Paul starts. He starts by just naming his imperfection. In fact, when it comes to our past and Jesus freeing us from our past, the first thing that I want us to notice here, my first point, is that we're free to admit our flaws. And that's really, really important. You see, Paul says really with candor and honesty, I'm not perfect. Verse 12, not that I've already reached the goal or am already perfect. He says it later in verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. I haven't arrived. I haven't figured this whole thing out yet perfectly, but I'm on a pursuit. And it's beautiful and it's comforting to me that he can just name his imperfection. Right? That's really wonderful because one thing I found so remarkable and relatable about this book that I'm holding in my hands is that from the beginning of the story all the way to the end, when you look at every character along the way, uh, as soon as sin came into the picture, right, everybody's a little jacked up except for Jesus. But like every other single person is jacked up. I mean, think about it. Moses, the man who wrote the, the first five books of this Bible, and, and he, um, he kills a guy in Egypt and flees to Midian. Like, that's a little bit jacked up. He, his anger got the best of him. He kills a guy. And then a, you know, God appears to him in this burning bush and speaks to him, says, this is holy ground. Take off your shoes, right? He knows this is God, and God's telling him, like, here's what I'm going to do with you. I'm going to send you. And he's like... Don't send me, please. I can't talk good. God's like, really? Like, I, I made your mouth and I can help you talk, right? And it's a little jacked up. Like Moses, this imperfect man. And we see again how Moses, his imperfection, revisits in the story of his life over and over again. We think about David. David, the, the man after God's own heart, the shepherd. We love David, the guy who killed Goliath and yet one day sees a woman bathing on a roof, he takes her to be his wife and sends her husband to the front lines. That's jacked up, right? Character after character is imperfect. And Paul says, hey, put me on the list, imperfect. I'm a little jacked up and I love this. It's so comforting because I know that I'm a little jacked up. It's like Paul says here, hi, I'm Paul, a recovering self-righteous Pharisee. It wasn't long ago that I was trying to kill people like you, but today I'm your pastor. Welcome to church today, right? Like that's just a little bit jacked up. Paul tells his story. I was a persecutor of the church, but today I'm your pastor. I, uh, this past week at house church, I, I tried an icebreaker out. And I said, hey, um, we have some new faces here in the, in the room. So let's just kind of all tell our name and just tell your worst sin. I went first and everyone left. Like nobody stayed. Like they, they grabbed their children and like shielded them from me as they left the door, right? I'm just kidding. I didn't actually do that. I did say that, but nobody actually jumped in. Because here's what's happened is that all of us have in our past been marked by shame. 
And there's something in us that says, you know, I, I know that I'm jacked up, but I really don't want anyone else to know that I'm jacked up. And so we don't talk about it. And in our churches today, uh, all across uh, the U.S. and beyond, people are hiding. We're hiding our past. We're hiding the things that have marked us, that have marred us. We don't feel the freedom to admit our flaws. And so we just pretend and we get our Bible out and we, we talk about the Bible and we talk about all kinds of other stuff and theology and doctrine, but we don't talk about us because we don't feel free to admit our flaws. But when it comes to um, our past, we need to know that we are free by Jesus to admit our flaws. And the reason why you're free is this. Your salvation never, ever, 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 ever depended on your goodness. Not once. Not once was it like you're saved because you're an awesome person. It was never, ever, not for a moment about your goodness. It was always about the goodness of Jesus. Like he was the only one not jacked up. And he died for you. So the gospel is this. It's not about your goodness. Therefore, you're free to admit your flaws. James 5, 16, he says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. See, when it comes to our past, Jesus came to free us and to heal us and we don't get free and we don't get healed by pretending like we're not jacked up. We, we get free and we get healed by confessing to one another. So disciples of Jesus are free to admit their faults. And I want, I want you to just look at verse 13 with me. He says this, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. My second point, I think what Paul's saying here is that we're free to forget what's behind. He says, I, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, that we are actually free to forget what's behind. You know, there's, there's a couple ways that you and I can dwell on the past. We can kind of live there. And the first way is this. Um, it's where we, we think about our glory days. I don't know if you have a season of your life that was just like awesome, right? You, you felt like that, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, hashtag winning. You're like winning, right? My family was great. My relationships were great. I, I had a great job or my walk with God was so fantastic. Like we have moments where we look back and think, man, that was it. Those were the glory days. Uh, in 2004, a movie by the name of Napoleon Dynamite came out. I don't know if you ever saw that movie, right? It's, it's a hilarious movie. And one of my favorite characters is Uncle Rico. I mean, y'all know Uncle Rico, right? Uncle Rico, he, uh, he lived in a van, right? He, he, would, he would set up a video camera outside of his van, and he would get a football, and he would pretend like he's throwing, you know, he'd like throw a pass, right? He'd grab another ball, throw another one. And then he would sit down Napoleon and, and the other uh, guy, I think his name was Kip. And, and he would sit down and he would show him his videos of like him throwing the football. And he said things like this. He, he would say, uh, you know, if coach would have put me in in that fourth quarter, we, we, we would have won state. I, I'd be a champion, right? I, I'd be, I'd, I'd have gone pro, 
And he says, I'd be sitting in a hot tub with my soulmate making millions of dollars. This guy lived in the past. It's comical, but we all kind of resonate with that. We have moments, seasons, glory days that were so awesome. And, and when it comes to our walk with God, oftentimes we say, man, you know, college was so awesome. I was a part of this great college ministry and, and, and God was doing all this amazing stuff in my life. Or, or we think about that time when we were in that amazing small group or whatever. We have this way of dwelling in the past. The second way is this, that we get stuck in our pain. We can, we can live in the glory days, or, or secondly, is we can get stuck in our pain. Um, Dan Allender is an amazing professor, teacher. He founded a school called the Seattle a School of Theology and Psychology. And, and he's an incredible counselor. He's an author. If you, if you come across his books, I highly recommend them. They're fantastic. And I was listening to him this week. He was talking about the past and he was talking about shame. He's talking about regret. And he talked about how all of this kind of creates this contempt in us. Like when we live out of our pain, it creates this contempt in us that will really kind of hijack our future. And he used a phrase he said that evil wants to write its signature on us, like a, a tattoo. I don't know if you have a, a tattoo here. If you do, uh, God's really angry with you, and you need to repent at the end. I'm just joking. That's, that's part of the old covenant that we don't, we don't have to follow anymore, okay? We're in the new covenant now. Praise God. So you've got a tattoo. That's all right. I, it's totally, I don't have any, but it's okay if you do, all right? But I was thinking about how a tattoo, like if you have a tattoo, and if it's in like, you know, like up on your arm or something and you kind of forget it's there until you get undressed for bed and you're like, oh, cool, I've got a tattoo, right? You have that like moment of like, oh yeah, I remember I have a tattoo. If you have one on your back and you're like, every now and then you're like, oh wow, like I, for I forget it's there, right? But there's also, I, I think, um, a time when, you know, like if you have a tattoo and you, you don't realize it and then all of a sudden you're, you're talking to someone and your sleep comes up and they're like, Oh, you have a tattoo, right? It's, it's like this, you know, a, a revelation about this. Is, oh, I didn't know you were a tattoo kind of a person, right? We have these categories like, oh, you're a tattoo kind of a person. And I was thinking about how our past, in a sense, almost tattoos us, right? We, we have things in our story that when we become vulnerable or when we kind of feel like we're, we're able to sort of be our true selves, it's like we see it again. Maybe it's something that you, like every time you look in the mirror, you see it again. You, you hear those words or, or you, you, you remember the abuse. You, you, you remember something that happened that marked you or regrets like some sinful choices and you're bearing the consequences today. And it's like that tattoo. And when you undress, it's like, ah, it's there. Or every now and then. Somebody says something and it's just like they, it's like they caught a glimpse of your shame and they, they say that one thing that's kind of like, hits that button again, that, that place in you where you have the pain that, that you're living in the past. See, we can get stuck in the pain of our past. This is, these are those places where the accuser loves to accuse you. 
He loves to point back and be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're small, you're dirty, you're nothing, you're trash. And he accuses and he belittles. But Jesus came to set us free. And what I love about what Paul does here is he, he points to the, the grip of Jesus. We see it in verse 12. He says, not that I've already reached the goal or I'm already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. You see, when we live in the past, whether it be the glory days or, or it's the pain of our past, the past still has a hold on us. It's gripping us. And Paul says, look, I have been gripped by Jesus. Your Bible might say the word apprehended. Like when a sheriff has a suspect and he apprehends the suspect, he brings them into custody, right? He's taking them captive. And Paul uses this language when it comes to his relationship with Jesus, that Jesus has gripped him. Like he's grabbed hold of his life, of his heart. And see, this is, this is different than just the, the things that we know about Jesus, or the, the ideas, this, this philosophy of Christianity, but it's, it's like the very person of Jesus has gripped me. And the grip of Jesus is stronger than the hold of your past. He's come to free you. He's come to help you forget See, Paul is gripped by Jesus. Jesus is so real to him. And Jesus frees him to forget what's behind. Now, you're like, forget it? Like, really? Like, are you like forgetting the past? Well, th think about what Paul just said. We, we talked about this last week. He laid out his past, right? We see it when he talks about his pedigree and how he was born on the, you know, he was born a Hebrew of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day. And he goes through this whole pedigree and like all this stuff that he did in his former way of life. So it's not like the, um, the tractor beam of heaven was like, and like his mind was erased, right? We know that that's not how it works, but to forget the past, to forget what's behind is to say, it no longer has power over me. It, it, it doesn't control me anymore. It's lost its power. I'm able to put it out of my mind. And Jesus came to help you forget. You're free to forget, and by forget, I mean your past will lose its power on you. That there comes a moment where you can stand in front of people and tell your story. And the parts of you that would like never ever tell that part of that, that thing that happened or that thing that said, or that was said, or that thing that I did, right? We'd never ever want anyone to know that. But now all of a sudden we can just say, look, here's what happened. Here's what I did. And Jesus has freed me. I, I, it's lost its power. And we're free to forget. Lastly, 
he shows us that we're free to live the present in light of God's future. I'll say it again, we're free to live the present in light of God's future. We see this heavenly theme that comes out in this passage. Paul's talking about heaven over and over again. We, we see in verse 14, I pursue as my goal in the present the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus, the future. He says later in 20, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ, he will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. He's like, look, Look, it's coming, heaven's coming. You will be in glory. Like if you are born again in Jesus, you have an amazing destiny. At some point, either you're going to die and you're going to be like, wow, Jesus. Or the clouds are gonna split open and our savior will return and we're gonna be like, oh, Jesus. See, the pull on the heart of a, of a person who's gripped by Jesus is a heavenward pull. It pulls us into the glory that's coming. Paul sees a finish line. He's got a heavenly vision when he's, when he's thinking about the future now. It's not, oh, oh, my past, my past, my past. It's like, no, no, glory, more Jesus. It's gonna be amazing. He sees this prize at the end of the finish line. And he pursues it in the present. Paul can be present right now to what God's doing in his life because he's free from his past and he sees the future. C.S. Lewis said this, he says, if you read history, you'll find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians who have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Meaning what? Meaning that when we begin to get a vision for what not has marked us in the past, but for what God is going to bring, what he's doing in our lives in the future, it will actually empower us to make an incredible mark on our present. We're free to live the present in light of God's future. Um, and I tell you, this, this past week was like really good and like really terrible. Uh, the terrible part was that I, I just, you know, our spouses sometimes wake us up to things. If, you, if you're married here, you, you know what I'm talking about. There's times when your spouse says, hey, I've noticed you do blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, right? Part of you is like, on the defensive, like, no, I don't. And the other part is you're like, oh, like, I'm so, like, exposed, right? Like, you're totally right. And I had one of those moments this week where I just saw some things in my heart. To be honest, like, I'm, like, I I'm ashamed of the stuff that's been happening in my heart. And, and it was really, really almost, like, to the point of despair. I don't know if you've ever been there before. You're like, ugh. Like, you know, I think of Paul when he says, I, like, I, the things that I, I want to do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do that I keep on doing. And he feels like, you know, wretched man that I am. Who will save me from this body of 
death. And he says, thanks be to Jesus Christ our Lord. It was, it was one of those moments where it was like, if I didn't have Jesus, and if I didn't have this gospel that says it's not about your goodness, I would have fallen down the pit of despair. But God, he's, he's given me this vision of a future. I, I can actually like take this past and I can admit my fault, my faults, my flaws. And I can say to Casey, you know what, you're right. I'm broken. I'm broken there. Like that's, that, that's a problem and I recognize that. And I'm, I'm receiving the truth and the grace and the mercy of Jesus. I'm, I'm able to forget it. In a sense of like, I, I'm dealing with it, I'm processing it, and then I, I'm gonna let that lose its power over me and say, no, no, that's not who I am anymore. Like by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I am stepping into the new, remade, recreated version of Chris Kipp because it's all about him and where he's taking me. I uh, was doing a little Netflix therapy in the middle of all this, so I don't know if you guys have ever done that therapy before where you do like, you get totally into a show, right? And it's like they keep playing. It's like at the end, it's like the, in four seconds, the next, you know, the, the next one starts and you're like, I should stop this and go to bed. But then it starts and you're like, I can't, I can't stop. Like, you know, give me more, right? You have Netflix therapy. And so I'm sitting there and I'd heard about this movie called The King's Speech. I don't know if y'all have seen this movie, The King's Speech. It's, it's, I think it's a great movie. And in this movie, uh, it's about this rise of King George VI. He was, um, uh, you know, he was a duke. And then his father passed away. His brother was the heir to the throne. His brother was kind of like this immoral, crazy man. And so he steps down. And this guy who never, ever, ever expected to, to be king, all of a sudden is thrust into being the next king of England. Well, he has a problem. He stutters. He stammers, and he cannot talk clearly. He, he has to occasionally do these public speeches, and he steps up, and it's just like all the eyes are like burning through his skin. He's like, uh, 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 right? He cannot get a sentence out. And so his wife finds this doctor who has this kind of unusual way. You see, all the other doctors were focused on the mechanics and the jaw and the like loosening up the, the palate and all these things. But this doctor, he had treated these men who had come out of World War I and they were shell-shocked. And he realized it wasn't a mechanical problem. These men had seen some things that were so devastating that it was like keeping them from being able to talk. And so rather than focusing on the externals, he began to focus on what was really holding this person back. There's this scene in the movie, and it's like the, 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 the watershed moments, the change in the story, where uh, he and this, uh, he, he called him Birdie, he, he was the next king. He had had a disagreement, and finally they're making amends. Birdie comes to his house, and they'd had this bet going, and, and he owed him a shilling. And so he said, here's your shilling. And he says, 
you know, basically, what do you think about me becoming the next king? He says all the other kings, you know, their, their predecessors had died or were almost dead, but here I am, my brother's living. And he's, he, he says, basically, I, I don't know if I can do this. He's gonna have to give speeches. And um, this doctor, he says to him, he says this, your father's not here anymore. And he jokes, he's like, yes, he is. His face is on that shilling I just gave you. And Lionel says, it's easy enough to give away. It's easy enough to give away. You can, you can let it go. And the journey for this man was really all about dealing with the past, the hurts, the wounds, the shame. You see, that's what Jesus has come to do for us. He's come to say, look, I have given you a new identity. If you are a follower of me, you are now approved, you're loved, you're accepted, you're no longer rejected, you're no longer far off, you've been brought near. You're a child of the king. You're a child of God. You have a new identity. In the stuff of your past that has shaped you, I am reshaping. I'm remaking you. And, and just like letting go of a, something that you're carrying around in your pocket, right? Jesus is saying, look, here's what I want you to do. One thing I do, forget what is behind and press on to what is ahead. So this morning, let me close with where I started. What does your past say about you? How has your past shaped who you are today? What are those moments? Like when you think about your, your past, is it glory days that you feel stuck in? Or is it like something that happened, something that was said, something that, uh, some sort of abuse, some sort of a decision, regret, sin, something has shaped you today? And what do you believe about yourself because of it? Are you listening to your version of the story of your life or are you listening to God's version of the story of your life? Where has your past become your prison? And today, Jesus has come to set you free. That's good news. He's come to set you free, free to admit your flaws. You're free to forget what's behind. And you're free to live in the present in light of God's future. Last thing, I want to give you some homework. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find somebody that you trust, that you know like isn't going to like judge you and freak out if you tell them something about your past, okay? Whether that be someone in your house church, somebody here, uh, maybe a spiritual friend, and here's what I want you to do. Just say, hey, my pastor told me to do this. Um, I just wanna just tell you about something that has been hanging me up inside. And that's your homework this week. Tell someone, what is it that's been hanging you up inside in your past? That one little thing actually might have the power 
to change the trajectory of your life and actually release the present that you're living in. Let's pray together. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.